everybody. This is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. And I'm David. That's all you get today. Uh, we're going to have a good time, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah we, it's kind of uh, unusual. It's not often that it's just the two of us. Uh, you know, and Garrett had a... Fall is approaching. Uh, schedules are getting busy. You know, we've had Andrew drop out of a few episodes. Now we've got Garrett drop out of this one. So, you know, it's just we just keep the keep the keep the car rolling. Yeah. Um, while, you know, people have things to do. We'll all be back here and there eventually. I oh, think. yeah. We'll all be back in time for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely for that. Um, so, yeah, it's the two of us today. And we're going to we're going to talk about um, we're, we're finally diving into James Bond. Um Long, long time listeners of the show might yes. remember that we really tried very valiantly to do this last year, early last year, um, when No Time to Die was supposed to come out. Uh, I think it was in I think it was April 2020. And um, as you all may remember, that was the first major movie to be pulled from the schedule um, at the start of the pandemic. And now it is finally, finally, finally fingers crossed, coming out mm-hmm. uh, very soon. So the plan back then was we were going to do all of the Daniel Craig Bond movies because this is going to be his final turn as James Bond. And so that's what we're here to do today. We're going to talk about Casino Royale, the movie that reinvigorated the James Bond franchise. You know, pe- previous or prior to Daniel Craig, it was Pierce Brosnan who had his own style. Those movies were their own, like, glorious 90s uh hokey action kind of stuff mm-hmm, a lot of camp a lot of camp there's a good you word know? for it and casino not like Royale, not like over like not like no. uh, like full like batman and robin camp no, but no, like no. but definitely their own like it was very tongue-in-cheek yeah james bond levels of camp um but casino royale came around and kind of uh batman begins james bond a bit by giving us a more realistic grittier take on the uh, british super spy so yeah um have you had you seen this before or was this your first time you know i had not seen it before i had seen the um the the opening chase i'll I'll call it the opening chase the chase through the uh construction yard with all the all the the fancy moves i'd seen that like 20 times like i i just one way or another just ran across it or saw videos of it. in the beginning on tnt you know time. back in back in my early teens i would just kind of peruse youtube and watch like greatest things you know like great <laughs> like you know best of this best of that best car chase in cinema history best of this kind of thing yeah. and this was uh this was uh, uh, my first viewing of it was uh in one of those it was like best chases in cinematic history and they included this in there that that opening chase with it was all the parkour stuff which we can get into in a minute because i thought parkour. That was always been one of my favorite things, and it, I think it partially inspired the the parkour scene of the office. Uh, but no, this was uh, this was my first time watching the movie in its entirety. Uh, I'd seen that beginning bit. I'd seen some clips here and there, and over time. But um, this was, uh, in fact, uh, the only other James Bond movie I've ever seen is Die Another Day, the, the final Pierce Brosnan. Okay, so uh, you're film. so you're pretty new to the whole James Bond experience, anyway. Yes. I've always okay, so wanted to get into it, though. We're getting we're getting an interesting like microcosm of the show here. Even though there's only two of us, we still represent the others well because Andrew and I are fairly familiar with James Bond franchise, and you and Garrett mm-hmm. are not. He's he had actually never seen any 
Mm -hmm. uh, you've at least seen one, but you're oh, essentially yeah. on level playing field. Yeah, I so, made it. Yeah. Um, that's where we are here. So Casino Royale is uh, uh, based on um, the 1953 novel that Ian Fleming wrote. And this is actually the third time that book has been turned into a movie. Um, in it, Bond is um, assigned to play um, Mads Mikkelsen's character, uh, Le Chief, mm -hmm. in a high-stakes poker match uh, and basically bankrupt him because Mads Mikkelsen uses the money to bankroll terrorists and terrorist organizations. So it is, it is Bond's job to win all the money instead. And that is our basic premise. So as a, as a newcomer to um, at least Daniel Craig's James Bond, what, what are your opening thoughts? What'd you think? You know, it's funny because I was really excited to get started. I've always wanted to get into James Bond, um, you know, as a, as a fan of, sorry about that. As a fan of like, you know, franchises and you know long storm long-term stories and stuff there's like 20 something films now uh there's all the books there's all the games so like there's plenty of stuff to get into and plenty of variations to get into so i was really excited to get started and it had me hooked fairly early on with the chase and with the you know like the black and white and um the opening number by chris cornell uh i thought he was he, he blew that out of the water the late chris cornell and yeah. then it really kind of lost me for a while Really? Um, yeah, because and, and it's a very specific thing. And I know I went on a big rant earlier this year when talking about Spiral when it came comes to <laughs> lazy exposition. But this movie didn't have like any real exposition until around the 45, 49 minute mark, um, where I was like, I know what I kind of know what James Bond is doing, but I don't know why he's doing it. What why is uh why is he chasing this down? What are they trying to prevent? There was no establishment of what the stakes were. I knew he he had caught this guy and he knew that he got some text from somebody that said ellipsis. I knew that he was tracking down the guy who sent the text. I knew that once he had tracked down the guy, he knew that they were trying to cause some kind of explosion at an airport. But I didn't know what for or why. And then so we finally get that from uh, Judy Dench, played by M. I know that's a regular character in the franchise, but this is the first time that Judy Dench is playing that role, mm -hmm. which incidentally... Um, I've seen Judy Dench in a lot of things, but this was the most um, I had heard from her in a little while. And all I could think the entire time was about her doing the voice on Spaceship Earth and Disney World. Uh, it was just so weird because like she's so delightful on that where she's like, hey, would you like she's like she's like here we're learning about writing. And here she's like, <laughs> damn it, Bond. She's so angry. But it's like these, I don't know. It's like the same tone. Um, so. After that point, I was like, okay, all right, so now we're going to go do this. And the movie's structure of the poker game, that, that second act, really, I think, got me back into it. So it was the first hour got a little muddied in a lot of action that I didn't know the stakes for. And then the second half was a little bit better. And I'll be honest, I thought the climax was a little weird um because it kind of feels like things are settling down and you're like, oh, this is kind of going out with a whimper. And then they're like, surprise, here's one more one more twist. But I felt like the twist came off as kind of confusing in the moment. And they give you enough answers as they wrap the movie up to kind of, I guess, understand it. But I was as it was happening, I was like, what sense does that make? Why would she do that? Um, so anyway, so that all that to say, I've got a middle on it. Okay. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. What about you, Josh? Is this your first viewing of this particular Bond film? Uh, no, I've seen this movie before. I, I I know I saw it when it initially came out in 2006, and I'd seen it a couple more times over the years, but it had been, this was my first rewatch in a while. Um, I, I hadn't gone back to Casino Royale in a long time. And it still really held up for me pretty well. It is a pretty strong Bond movie. Um, what's nice about it is, you know, the way James Bond works in the film universe is every single movie up to this point is standalone. Um, like, like we'll take Pierce Brosnan, for example, since he was the most recent previously Daniel Craig. All of his movies... They don't, those movies don't connect in any way. You don't need to see one to understand another. Um, and what I like is this is the first time that that they're going to take Bond and create a longer arc with him. And so we see th- that set up in this movie mm-hmm. um, so that it can continue on in future installments. So I like that we're getting a true fresh start of Bond. This is early in his career. Um, he's pretty fresh a- as an agent with MI6. And it's kind of nice to just come in at the ground floor um, and know that, you know, all these past decades of Bond films, you don't need to really be familiar with it to jump in here. You really just need to know the base level stuff of, okay, James Bond's a secret agent. He kills people uh, and he's good at it. That's really all you need to know. Um, And I, and I like that a lot. The action scenes are are good they're they're very good i think they're better than any other previous bond movie i mean you know you're limited in in what you can do with action in some of those older ones and then the brosnan ones really focus on the over the top like explosions and missiles crazy stunt work crazy stunt work and this is like you get a lot of cool combat and chase scenes like you you talked earlier about that opening scene where they're just parkouring all over the place mm-hmm. uh bond is chasing down this guy and they're running on top of roofs they're on like giant cranes in the sky uh my favorite my favorite part of that scene is there's there's a part where uh the bad guy is running through a building and he like grabs a pole and swings through this tiny slot in a wall and then mm-hmm. james bond just hopes kool-aid man yeah. through the wall just smashes through it it smashes through it it's one of those things to, to folk to, to focus on that scene for just a second it's one of those things where like um if you're ever if you're ever an opportunity to be in a film class or if you ever want to study film you can tell stories in more ways than just dialogue and a chase scene like that is a really interesting way to tell a story it gives mm-hmm. you character it you know it shows that the, the one character is you know finesse and and deception and you can tell he's been trying he's had to run away a lot you know he has run away a lot and he's had to get away from a lot of situations and it shows you that james bond has a combination of things he's brutish right he smashes through a wall he'll drive a forklift through a fence instead of jumping jumping it you know yeah um but he's also resourceful instead of trying to also jump down an elevator shaft he instead will you know jump in a scissor lift and break it so that he falls all the way to the ground quickly you know he's resourceful and witty it kind of establishes how he views his situation versus how this bad guy does now the bad guy doesn't get to go on for very much longer but it, it's a great way of, of, of showcasing your character without bogging it down in a ton of dialogue and it's fun and it's an efficient way to, to, to do it um but anyway but you're saying some of the other some of the other stuff 
the other action you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's that's really I think one of the highlights of the movie is is mm-hmm. that uh, chase scene. Uh, but then there's so much more throughout it. I mean, Him, yeah, them going after each other in the airport when he's following right. that guy. Yes, that's cool. Um, but action is just one part of James Bond, and I feel like this movie also did a good job of showcasing those other elements of his character. You know, he's also when when it was announced that Daniel Craig would be Bond, there was some skepticism about it as mm-hmm. there usually is when a new character takes over an established role. But mm-hmm. Daniel Craig didn't match visually people's idea of James Bond. He is, you know, by no means a, a not good looking man, but no. he's not Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> no, he, there's sort of a, a classical English look that they right. usually go for with James Bond. But this movie still shows that he is pretty, pretty dang suave. He's still uh, quite the ladies man. Mm-hmm. which is all key elements of the character. Um, so he's he he kicks butt, he gets the ladies, he looks cool in a suit. They showcase all that real well. And then you talked about the poker scene. That is, a, I think, a really great extended part of the movie. It's really like a whole act on its own because right. there's so much tension in that. Um, between Daniel Craig and Mads Mikkelsen as the chief, who this really was his international breakout role. Um, Mads Mikkelsen wasn't quite known um, at the level he is now before this role. And he is quite, I think, intimidating in those poker scenes. Um, There you really get an idea of the monetary stakes at play, I think. And there's a nice back and forth. You know, he beats Bond initially before Bond comes back and takes him out in the poker match. It was, in my opinion, as someone who could give uh, no, zero craps about the game of poker <laughs> or card games, it made watching it somewhat more exciting than it normally would be. You know, I can't I can't yeah. get to the World Series of Poker stuff that's on ESPN and all that. Um, but you got a super spy um, in a high stakes match with a uh, international terrorist ringleader. And like, right. that's cool. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you know, that, you know, poker sports in general or, or games, games in general are so um, so lend themselves to cinema to cinema because. You have clear stakes, you know, and you have clear, uh, you can establish your motivation and having the two characters right across from each other. It really provides that level of like, of, uh, you know, the characters are trying to understand each other and they're sick. Sorry, I'm child. Man. They're trying to, they're, they're, talk, they're saying a lot to each other without saying anything or they're, 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 you know, they're hiding, you know, they're, they're, they're sneaking. Yeah. You know, and it really just showcases, I think, what kind of people they are, you know, it showcases Bond's arrogance. It showcases, uh, Le Chief's, uh, uh, deceptiveness and his, uh, his, his kind of ruthlessness in a lot of ways. And it also, it gives you a chance to kind of highlight your other characters on the side who are watching from the outside. Um, luckily they give us two characters. I mean, they give us, um, Eva Green. Is it Eva or Ava? I think it's Eva, but I don't Eva. know. 
Eva Green and uh, Gianna Carlo Gianni, who plays Renee Mathis. They're on the outside. They're watching. And they're kind of giving us every now and then they'll give us a little bit of like, well, if this happens and this happens, you know, if, if you're, you're a viewer and you're not exactly and you can't follow the game as well. Yeah. Kind of helping us out. So, yeah, I, I love that whole section made it really interesting because the fate of the world is not coming down to a fight. It's not coming down to I say the fate of the world, but, you know, the fate of the situation is not necessarily coming down to like a fist fight or it's not coming down to a race against time, you know, the, the tropes we see fairly often, you know, it's coming down to a poker game, whether or not Bond can get out of this. Uh, I will say the, the, the thing about that game that gets kind of weird is like uh, James almost dies like three times during that entire, like that entire game. Like, you, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of back and forth. And I feel like there's a lot of stop and start to that whole, that whole thing, that whole bit, but it was enjoyable. I, I, enjoy, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I think, I think uh, it made for it made it made for an exciting time. Yeah, yeah, I agree that it did. Um, I also like um, Jeffrey Wright as uh, his, his American counterpart, who's there to, uh, mm. to to help him out. You know, yes, uh, that made for. I've always said I really, you know, like if 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 the Bond franchise ever wanted to take a hint from the MCU, they'd start crafting like an extended universe of other spies who work with James Bond from time to time. Uh, we'll see though, you know, not likely. Right. I mean, you never know. Um, didn't, um, didn't MGM or somebody get sold to another company? Yeah, you know they did. I if we we I feel like we talked about that in the past, and now I don't remember what it was. I, I feel, feel like, somebody... like I, I feel like Amazon bought it. Yeah, yeah. I think so that's so maybe maybe yeah. maybe under Amazon's leadership, they will they will look into a more. You know, it's hard not to imagine a franchise in twenty twenty one being uh, steered toward a cinematic universe because that seems to be the norm for large franchises now, thanks to the success of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and you're right. This is one where I think, you know, they could pull it off. It could be cool. Well, all it would, what it would, what it would, you know, they, we're getting a little off course now here, hey, but you whatever. know, all it would require is just establishing the idea that, you know, James Bond exists and there are likewise, you know, uh, uh, spies or secret agents in other places and other countries and, uh, you know, give them their own film. And maybe eventually that those two characters, you know, interact uh, in a movie down the line. It doesn't have to be Avengers level, but yeah. you could set up, you know, either an American character, French character, whatever you want to do, you know. And maybe they're not even a spy. Maybe they're a bad guy. You just have uh, like yeah. a, you bring the, you bring a bad guy over or something. From I mean, in a slightly similar vein, we're seeing that being explored now with uh, the John, the John Wick movies. Uh, they're, they're launching a television show based mm-hmm. on the the Connell Hotel in the movie. So, you know, maybe they maybe they start slow with that. Maybe there's a James Bond TV show about, uh, I don't know, M's other agents, something like yeah, that. My six, you know. Um, but it could be cool. But 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 yes, back to <laughs> back to the movie itself, the movie, yeah. Royale. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish I I do like the Bond movies. Never in my life have read a Bond book, so I wish I could speak to. Uh, how it relates to the novel, but alas, I cannot. Um, and I can't even I can't even tell you how it relates to the other <laughs> the other adaptations of this movie because they are older than my interest in James Bond goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing 
that I thought was striking about this movie is the level of violence that's portrayed in certain scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, it is brutal at times. And I'm particularly just going to jump into referring to the scene where Maz Mickelson has tied up James Bond in oh, yeah. a scary, uh, musty basement yeah, yeah, sort, yeah. and has stripped him naked yeah. and is just beating his uh, very sensitive parts yes. with like a big thick whip rope yeah um, it, it was an aggressive torture scene that i was know, not prepared for in any way like like i said earlier about james bond he is known for being a ladies man and the only tool more important to, to <laughs> james bond than his gun is his other gun and yeah. he can't yeah. you yeah. can't take that away from him but he no, just beating him and going after it the best part of that scene is when you get to see some of his humor shine through and his just pure defiance defiance and toughness (laughs) where he's like i have an itch uh and he hits him and he's like no to the right (laughs) it was uh, i don't know how i've gone so we got uh 15 years ago i don't know how i was 15 years of never hearing about the scene as it's happening i went Oh, well, this doesn't look good. It's and brutal. Then, and then he starts, he starts waving that rope one, and I'm like, oh, no. "What you gonna do with what that?" Gonna do with that. And then he starts doing it, and I was like, no. "I, I like, remember no, you gotta it. stop, it's sir." Like it was like one shot. It was like one shot, and I thought to myself, "He goes, tell me the password." I was like, "Okay, you got a piece of paper? Yeah. <laughs> Go around, write this down." I. See? You know, like he just, just I, he would be like, "Tell me what it is." I would like go do it right now. You know, don't bother. Don't it? I'll tell you this right now. If it ever comes down to torture for me, I'm just giving it up right away. I'm don't even get started. Binary. Don't even get started. I, I, I can handle no physical torture at all. I just, what do you want to know? What I love. The, know I love the quick build up to it too, because you're immediately like, "What is going on?" When you see them, what? Like, why are you cutting the seat out of that chair? Yeah, that was weird. I thought they were making a toilet. The big rope, and you're like, "Oh, you've done the math now." Yeah, the anticipation. Yes, uh, you know what's happening based on those two things. Yeah, and uh, and luckily he had only he only had to survive four of those before uh, Mr. White shows up and takes care of the problem. Yes, uh, he is. Yes, Maz Mickelson is annihilated very suddenly, and I think uh, surprisingly, uh, he's just gone. As far as a bad guy goes, I gotta say, um, Lashif as a character kind of gets punked out a lot, you know, because it's well, not it's there's a point in the movie where he gets taken down by a couple of uh, of uh, uh, bad guys that he screwed over by uh, messing up in the first place. The situation why he has to have this poker game, and they're like threatening to cut his arm off and then cut his girlfriend's arm off, and they like choke him to the ground. I'm like, oh, I can making the main bad guy kind of look like not the main bad hey, guy. I mean, that's the, that's the, uh, um, I don't even, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but that's like the whole idea of the rich bad guy, isn't it? He's yeah. not the real bad guy. Right. He just makes the money. Yeah. Um, he's just as at risk of dying as anyone else because, you know, that, that's why he's so hell bent on getting the money back from bond is he knows if I don't, these guys that I pay will yeah. kill me because they're actually yeah. ruthless and I'm just rich. Yeah, he's, um, it's definitely, uh, there's stakes for him as well. He's right. not just winning for the fun of it. I also had to laugh. It's not, it's not that it's like 
done badly or anything, but it's like, good when that scene ends and it cuts to James in a, in a wheelchair on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was all, and all that was done and it was James like in a hospital and, you know, and stuff. And I was like, I was like, hmm. that was when I started to think this is kind of a weird climax. I wrote it in my notes, weird climax, because I was like, James doesn't kill the bad guy. The bad guy gets killed by other bad guys. And then yeah. James is just chilling at a hospital for a good 10 minutes of the movie. Like he's like, he's, he's there. You know, Mathis comes in, they take him out. Vesper comes by, she, he hangs out with her. It is weird. Like, I was very not earlier, happy for it. You mentioned earlier that the climax and the ending felt weird, and I agree with you. It is it is off-putting because it's like, okay, we just saw the bad guy get murdered. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of movie left, but there is enough movie left to make yeah. you wonder what they're going to do with it. Yeah, there's um, like another 30 minutes left after exactly. he shows up at the hospital. So I was like, well, what's going to happen from here? And then we see, I, I'm again laughing because he's in this wheelchair mm-hmm. and Vesper comes up and is like teasing him uh, seductively. And all I can think about is there's no way his pieces work. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Been, You're probably hurting him so badly. He's like, chill out, chill out, lady. Yes. Give me a few days here. It's like uh, not even brutally crushed no it's like that episode of futurama you know you know that episode of futurama where they have to have a death by snoo snoo you know (laughs) oh right you know zab brannigan's like ladies please the flesh is willing but the spirit the spirit is willing but the flesh is bruised (laughs) that is that is him that is him although it seems he won't even let that stop him no (laughs) Um, james is very charming but also very like abrasive in this movie in a lot of ways because you kind of get you kind of get like i could understand like being not uh he's kind of a jerk you know and uh vesper talks about him having his armor on and stuff like that and like he's kind of he's kind of rude at times but also he has like little sneaks of charmingness in there where you kind of go like yeah okay maybe maybe you know like you know clearly he's preparing himself he's not trying to be too 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 romantic because he, right. he can't knows he can't afford to have a, a, a lover well this is but, you know like you i know. said earlier this is uh the beginning of bond's career really and so we get to see some of the um key elements in his life take place that make him into the like cold-blooded efficient killer he becomes and that is partly watching vesper drown right in front of him you know he he opened himself up um personally and romantically and then had to watch her die and that's part of what makes him into 007 as he officially becomes at the end of the movie when he kills mr white and then does the infamous bond james bond line yeah and as i as i as i i think i know this but i believe quantum of solace picks up right from that moment um, it, p- it picks up pretty quickly after that so that'll be interesting to see where the fallout goes there because like you talked about this is the first in the james bond movies where the story is somewhat continue continuous like um the events of these two movies play into a little bit of skyfall and then uh, then we get specter and no finally no time to die so it's gonna be i i kind of like it you know it, it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how the character progresses from here um yeah yeah i agree well um 
any other thoughts on, on the movie itself or shall we move on to a new to another segment you know uh i was trying to think if there's anything else we're talking about because i don't you know uh i was going to mention that uh we talked a little bit about the the chase through the airport but you know yeah. when the when he gets out of the car and all the uh all the like american police officers are all over him i was like yeah yeah that's that, that looks right because i did i was like if I, they're gonna get whoever jumps out of that car at that point i kept waiting for him to be like no no you don't understand but anyway yeah. um i was so you know uh like you said we talked a little bit about um we talked a little bit about the uh sorry we talked a little bit about the history of james oh you know what here's actually the one thing i found in my notes i wanted to mention so the parkour guy at the beginning yeah so fun fact you may know may not know that guy's actually credited with being one of the inventors slash innovators of parkour so uh, no Sebastian, way. yeah sebastian Foucan is uh, actually he's, he's credited with inventing it um along with another guy and so getting him was a pretty cool get for uh for the movie at that point because it's like it's we didn't just go out and get a guy we got to get the guy so is know? this so, so is this movie i don't know how the timeline works with parkour but did this movie like help the explode the popularity of parkour or was it already kind of growing it was I, I think it was already sort of on its rise i don't uh, i don't have in front of me when exactly it started but it definitely um put it from what i re- from what i read from a stuntman who talked about uh this performance he said that this sort of put parkour in a place in cinema because prior mm-hmm. to that, it was like really popular on YouTube. It was popular in like some music videos and stuff mm-hmm. but at that point. But this was like the first time that like a, a big studio said, or like a studio or a filmmaker or something said, hey, let's put this unique style of, of stunt work and, and, and moving and, 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 you know, free running and stuff. Let's put it in a movie. And like, you know, it's something different. Nobody, I mean, and, and you can go back and you can watch movies before 2006. No chase scenes or anything like this. Uh, so yeah, really cool that they were able to to bring that connection in. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And you know, I I thought it was done pretty well. I, I'm I didn't realize this until after I watched it, but the the movie was directed by uh, Martin Campbell, who who also directed the '98 Mask of Zorro film, which also has a lot of great um, kind of street level action sequences. Yeah, I was going to look him up too. And uh oh, you know, he's got a new movie coming out this year, The Protégé, or that may have already come out. Oh yeah, I think that is a pretty recent movie. Um Michael Keaton, uh Maggie Q, I think are both in that. Oh, and he did The Green Lantern with uh with uh, uh Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> huh, well, you know, that's a shame. <laughs> that's fun. We can't all have hits. No, well, you know, he's got a he's got a few good ones in here, but you know, they can't all yeah, like you said, they can't all be <laughs> yeah, they they just they can't all be hits. Um that's such a crazy movie in retrospect, the Green Lantern twenty eleven movie, because that's got Ryan Reynolds and Taika Watiti and uh yeah, a bunch of other crazy you know, but anyway. Yeah. I, I guess that's about that's about all I'll also have to say. I, I do have a little story I could tell. Would love to, yes, love it. He about James cool. Bond. So, you know, like I said, the only other Bond I had watched prior to this one was uh, was Die Another Day, uh, the last Pierce Brosnan film. Mm-hmm. And I remember pitching to my dad to let me go see it. That movie mm-hmm. came out in 2002. I was 12 years old, right? 
Right. And as a 12 year old, I was under the impression that thanks to things like Austin Powers, that the James Bond franchise was kind of risque, you know, that there might be some sexual stuff going on, you know? And uh, so I remember pitching to my dad that I was old enough to go see that, even though I was 12 and the movie was PG-13. Um, and he was like, well, what's going to be in it? And I was like, well, dad, I know there's going to be some violence and it might be a little rough, but as you know, I'm a very mature young man and I wouldn't, <laughs> I would never re- repeat the things I see in the movie. And there might be some sexual things, but Father, I have learned a lot over these last few years, and I think I'm mature enough to handle it. And uh, luckily, my dad, uh, I don't think I actually uh, thought that the movie was going to be that bad, so he let me go see it anyway. <laughs> um, I did have to go. I had to, I had, I, he, didn't, he, did, he did not see it with me, though. He, he dropped me off with two of my friends, and we saw that. That was a good year for movies for me, because I saw we Spider-Man that year. Oh, yeah. Another day. Uh, Men, in, uh, Men in Black 2, I think, came out that year. So it was a fun year for movies. And I was like, honestly, Dad, if I can see Men in Black 2, why can't I see James Bond? That's fair. And I was I was also under the impression that, you know, it was a new James Bond movie. And I was under the impression that James Bond was like, because, you know, I watched all like TV land and and uh, things like that. So I was like under the impression that like James Bond was like cornerstone of movies, you know, and if you had never seen a James Bond film, like you were out of it. Uh, which in a way maybe you are, but uh, you know, I was, so I was like, I got it. This is my chance. This is, this is a James Bond movie of my time. I need to go yeah. see it. So uh, yeah, I remember being very excited about it. And then I didn't really, uh, didn't really get into it. Probably very yeah. yeah. I mean, those movies have their place <laughs> that, yeah. And you know, he peaked the, the Brosnan age peaked with golden eye, obviously. Seems like um, it. So what are you going to do? Uh, if anything, I'm surprised that these movies have pretty much maintained a, a PG-13 rating over, over the years. Um, yeah, they've never gone for that R rating, I don't think. You know, if, if if that brutal torture scene in Casino Royale doesn't get you an R rating, I don't know how much further you got to go. <laughs> no, but yeah. if that, we've, I think, I think we've had um, similar tangents before in other movies where we've kind of established that uh, violence doesn't really seem to get the R rating in America as much as uh sexual content so sexual content a lot of cursing things like that yeah anyway this movie made a lot of money right it did so you know it opened um november 17th 2006 a long, long time ago i was 16 when this movie came out you would have met about 16 too or you were 16 too weren't you yeah we were both 16 yeah so we were uh so 17. made um so interestingly enough uh did not open number one though really yeah, it brought in forty million. It was actually a great weekend at the box office, though, in terms of in terms of money brought in. Brought in forty million dollars, forty point eight its opening weekend, falling just behind another movie, which brought in forty one million dollars. So between your top two movies, it's eighty million that weekend. Uh, and that movie was Happy Feet. Happy Feet opened at number one over Casino Royale. You know, never saw Happy Feet. Oh, I did, and I, I didn't. I, don't know. I mean, I like parts of it, but I didn't like all of it. Um, you know, I was 16. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so 41 million for Happy Feet, 48, 40.8 million for Casino Royale in the number two spot. And number three, in its third weekend, you had Borat, Cultural Learnings of America from Make Benefit, Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> uh, at number four, in its third week, you had the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. 
Wow. Uh, that brought in eight point three million. And at number five, you ever see this movie? Just Stranger Than Fiction. With no, I never saw that one. It's a, I've heard good things about it, but I've also got Nicole Kidman too. Uh, I think so. Is she the? Is she the? Is she the voice? Is she the? Um, she might be the the narrator. Hard to know. Hard to know uh, without the. Not really hard to know, no, it's not. It's Maggie Gyllenhaal. Ah, uh, there you go. I don't know who. Um, I don't know what I was thinking of, but no, I did not see that. You know, Garrett and Andrew aren't here. I got a little more time. I'll just drop in. Also, number six was Flushed Away. Uh, <laughs> number, number seven was Saw Three. And uh, then at number nine, in its seventh week, bringing in two point five million was uh, The Departed. So not necessarily a terrible weekend at the movie theater. Um, Casino Royale domestically would go on to make one hundred sixty-seven million dollars in the United States. I'd put it in the number nine spot for two thousand six. Uh, the number one movie that year was Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Man's Chest, which was an explosive movie. Oh yeah. Uh, and number two, this is a movie we re- we reviewed, Night at the Museum, number two domestically on the year. Uh, and number three, another movie we've done, Cars, although I was not involved with that, that particular review. But uh, car, first Cars, fine. Uh, and number four, X-Men, The Last Stand. And at number five, The Da Vinci Code, which we've never done The Da Vinci Code, but maybe one day we should. There are three or four movies, I think. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 Dan Brown series as it's known. Yes. It's kind of a boring title for a franchise. Yeah, Dan the Dan Brown, Brown Cinematic Universe. Uh, I'll drop in a few more here. Number six that year was Superman Returns. Uh, seven is where Happy Feet fell. Ice Age: The Meltdown. And number ten, The Pursuit of Happiness. Wow, you know that is a a, a, a an interesting year for yes. movies. I think uh, there are some there are some good ones on there, and there are some uh, not good ones, and there are some completely forgettable ones. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, I mean, honestly, it's a pretty good, it's overall a pretty fun list. Like, I've seen a lot of movies on this list, and there's some I haven't. You know, number down, number 13 is Click. Number 12 is Talladega Nights. Uh, you got The Departed at 15. Dream Girls, as one of my favorite music, movie musicals, 19. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. No, there's other good ones in there, too. And <laughs> yeah, I guess let's talk about, you know the uh oh hang on i'll I'll drop this in here too international worldwide uh casino royale finished in the number four spot with 605 million so okay oh that's over half a billion that's good yeah yeah um okay so i guess we we've talked about the financial reception let's talk about the critical reception a little bit um you know i don't know we've yet to figure out the way to play our guessing game with only two of us um I don't know if you have any ideas or if you just want to talk openly about how it's rated. You know, I don't know. So uh, uh, let's I guess let's we'll just guess. I'll just guess and you guess. We won't necessarily pick a winner, but I'm going to guess this has probably got like a three point seven on like letterbox. Okay, that's very close to what I was going to get. Guess I was going to guess in the high threes. So I will. um uh, I'll I'll bet I'll undercut you and bet on the low end a little bit and do it just a three point six. Three point six. Oh, we're both wrong. Good for Casino Royale. It's a three point nine. Three point nine, which is basically as good as a movie can do on Letterbox. You know, like there's it's it's getting over that four point is difficult. Um, and let's see here real quick. Just what for, is it on uh, Rotten Tomatoes? That's what I was just about to look for, just for the sake of looking. Um, on the critic side. We've got a certified fresh 94%. Hmm. 
Hmm. And on the audience end, a uh, statistically similar 89%. So this is a very well uh, received movie on all the platforms we check, at least. Yes, I think so. The critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is that Casino Royale disposes of the silliness and gadgetry that plagued recent James Bond outings, and Daniel Craig delivers what fans and critics have been waiting for, a caustic, haunted, intense reinvention of 007. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree. It definitely, you know, there is, since we kind of have the benefit of hindsight of like now we've been living with this Bond for 15 years, and Bond has become this sort of like more cynical, more dark series. And I kind of feel like now that we've done this and we're we're headed towards a new James Bond soon, and I think you see this a little bit in No Time to Die, but I think we're kind of like ready for a fun Bond again. You know, we're ready for maybe not maybe not returning to the full-on crazy gadgets of the Pierce Brosnan era, but maybe a, a, a like a little bit more of an adventure feel, a little bit more of a of a, of a you know a classical fun time, you know. Right. Um, Here's a review. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I didn't want to like throw us off on too big of a tangent because I do want to hear some of those letterbox reviews. But I was going to say it. I think they picked the perfect timing for um, a a grittier reinvention of Bond because, you know, in in the late 90s, we saw a huge amount of success from Austin Powers, who primarily is a parody of those older James Bond films with the over-the-top silliness and mm-hmm. the uh, sexual innuendo and yeah. the, the over-the-top goofy villains. Um, so you almost wonder if that played a role in, in MGM saying, you know what? Let's make it real. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, no, not let, let's not give Mike Myers more fodder for next time. And, and, and you kind of hit the, you kind of, uh, to since Andrew's not here, I'll say, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you talked about Batman Begins is that, the mid 2000s saw kind of a, a, an explosion of, I'm not going to say darker, but just in general, more grounded, grittier um, takes on on uh, on these kind of fictions. You know, uh, you whether know, it's Batman, uh, you know, even the, even Sam Raimi's Spider Man, Spider Man movies feel a little bit more grounded, a little bit more weighted that, than, uh, than than future installments. That is a great comparison because we, you know, we also watched Batman turn more toward camp in the 90s. Um, just like James Bond did. And then around the same time, we see grittier reboots of them. So yeah, I like that comparison. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think the appetite in um, post 2000 society was for more of a realistic, grittier kind of take on, on those things. We weren't, I I think it was, it, it very much was a sign of the times that things were, we were moving away from, silliness and we were kind of like there was kind of a loss of innocence a lot and i feel like cinema reflected that in sort of like you know kind of don't want to get too into it but the post 2001 world right we're kind of more willing to admit like hey you know things are dark and things are a little you know like a a torture scene like like what we got in that james bond movie you might have saw in like a grittier r-rated film prior to 2001 but to get that in a pg-13 movie uh, it was pretty aggressive, and it's it's. I, I think there was sort of a desire for our heroes on film to be a little bit more compromised and a little bit more uh, vulnerable. I think that's exactly right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
um but yeah but you know hey uh to, to get a little joking one of the, my one of my favorite letterbox reviews right here just says this dude cannot have a good time on vacation <laughs> uh, here's, here's another one this is the citizen kane of movies that's a <laughs> that's a thinker that's a thinker that is a thinker and <laughs> um this, uh, this is good this is kind of like you were talking about with poker this this person says i don't understand anything that happened in that entire poker scene but i strongly believe something important happened <laughs> that that's how i feel watching any kind of poker match on television there you go good reviews 3.0 what would we give it josh <sighs> you know it's gonna be on the high end for me for sure mm-hmm. i'm 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 gonna i think i'm gonna mm, i think i'm gonna do 4.5 um but and it's just because I am going against my instincts to give it a five <laughs> because I don't really have an issue with it, but I think there probably are some that I'm just not seeing because I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it, you know, I kind of struggle with this. I think I'm going to give it a four, like a four even, because I think it's, I think it is a very good movie. I think it's very well done. Yeah. Um, like we talked about earlier on, I did feel a little lost at times. Um, so I kind of felt like it, they could have done a little bit more to help me know what was going on. Yeah, that's fair. And I think, but I think it's a good start. And so, and clearly the movies kept going. So I'm kind of hoping that those as, and each movie, um, well, um, Sam Mendes, I've looked this up, directed both Skyfall and Spectre. So there might be some more conformity there, but I know that the next movie is a different director. And I know that, you know, Skyfall and Spectre have a different director. And then the last one's a new director. So um, I'm kind of hoping that as the creative hands change, that maybe that, irons out and that smooths out and maybe have a better you know it's a little clearer next time i have no idea what happens in quantum of solace i i, I don't think i've ever heard anybody talk about that movie so i'm really interested to see what happens yeah um we we will definitely get into that more next week but there are you know quantum of solace is different <laughs> it's different um but yeah that's uh that's that's really it. That's I think that that's Casino Royale. All right. All right. All right. All right. So we will uh, be back soon with Quantum of Solace. Um, our again, like I said at the beginning, our intention here is to do each of the Craig Bond movies up to no, no, the release of No Time to Die, um, which will be his final movie in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've been looking. We've been trying to do this for a long time, so it's very exciting. Hopefully. Um, we get all of us back here pretty soon. I do know I spoke with Andrew recently, um, who is still on assignment, and he uh, is very interested in in returning to do Skyfall with us. Oh. Uh, so we will be doing that, and he so he will be here for Skyfall and No Time to Die at minimum. <laughs> cool, cool. He's a busy man. If y'all don't follow his, uh, I had a feeling Andrew his Facebook that. page, see uh, Andrew Nichols Photography. I will, I will. Uh, promote him since he will ne- he would never do it to himself he's oh too, right right he's too humble yeah, look andrew incredible photographer yes yes for sure he, he's he's doing galleries now he's got art and shows he's working on all kinds of cool stuff so that is why uh he has not been around as much lately so mm-hmm. but he's not quit yet <laughs> no no are no, not letting him out of his contract no he he's just you know of the four of us he actually has a supreme amount of talent so he's just uh, <laughs> yeah. 
the rest of us have not figured out how to uh, monetize our talents. Yeah. Well, one day, maybe one day. <laughs> but he's good at it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, uh, you you guys find us online, so many sequels.com. We got all our links there. Follow us on the socials. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube or whatever your favorite podcasting app is. And leave us a rating and review on that app too. That helps us out. You know, it's all about algorithms. So the more the more you share, the more people can hang out and watch movies with us. Yeah. We'll see you next time with Quantum Asalas.